Good evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday. This is being brought to you by my new company, Fordos Production. And I just wanted to reiterate that every Monday, Lord willing, at nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time, I will be broadcasting for this uh, production company, Milkshake Monday. I sent to many of you on Facebook the teaching by Dr. Anita Phillips, and she asked the question, how are you? And I was so moved and the teaching was so anointed and helped me with so many things internally that I shared it with friends on text messaging. I actually put it in a post to Facebook that night after I heard it. And then I woke up the next morning at four in the morning and wanted to hear it all over again with no interruptions, nobody talking to me. And then I sent it out again with a longer message just to share with you the importance of what she was sharing as a doctor of mental health to explain how we make decisions and how she taught talking to us from the outside in about how we make decisions not with knowing, feeling, thinking, and doing, but we actually do behaviors in doing. And then we think, and she was talking about how all of our thinking is all these questions, like an auctioneer in our head, spouting questions morning, noon, and night. And then we don't handle the way we're feeling and how many of us are very limited and how we actually describe our feelings or how we even check into our heart to find out how we're feeling. And we're taking so much time asking God, why is this happening? What's going on? And all of these questions to God, instead of taking to the Lord, our feelings and asking our father in heaven to heal our heart, to comfort us and to keep us calm in the feelings that are overwhelming us at times. And that we forget the knowing of who God is in our lives and the promises of God and the word of God as we're going through some things. I found that so helpful to me. I felt like I didn't know that I was heavy with feelings, but after I listened to that teaching twice, I recognized that there were some things in my own heart that I was not giving proper time to let pain out of me so that I can get healing from the Lord. And I just wanted to tell you again, if you have the opportunity to listen to Dr. Anita Phillips teaching on how are you, I just pray to the Lord that you take that opportunity because it was a blessing and it is a blessing. It was a word preached by a woman that has professional training in mental health. And we have to start making sure that we are healthy in our spirit, in our spirit man, and learn the word of God and even be able to apply some principles that God has laid out for, for all of us. So I just wanted to say that again. Now, I know there's been some confusion. I know this because I went to a family gathering outside and the guest of honor pulled me aside and said, Anita, what do I need to do? I see you asking me to go to YouTube, but am I going to get the teachings on YouTube now? Or what's going on? So let me share what's happening. I started the company and the company has many different social media platforms for different people who have audiences that some of them don't use Facebook. Some of them don't use the internet in the way that going to my website. Some like to listen and don't like to look at people on video. They prefer podcasts as they're driving along. Some people like YouTube. So in many, and some people like Twitter and Instagram and all these different venues of ways to hear the message of the word of God. So what I have done is I've established even LinkedIn. I got to remember all these different platforms, all these different platforms. I have put information about four productions, the name of the company, but some of the offerings that some of you have 
heard about. For example, in the past, you've always heard Milkshake Monday on Monday nights at nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Facebook. That is not going to change. In addition, in the past, you've heard about marriage in the checkout line that Reverend Helm and I both taught and we did it on Facebook, but all of those different videos we put on YouTube on our YouTube channel called Photos Production uh, YouTube channel, Anita Helm. You can find that. So all of the videos of Reverend Helm and myself for Milkshake Monday, Marriage in the Checkout Line are on YouTube as well, as well as on Facebook. So I've noticed that even though I have a lofty goal, and I think you have to have vision to have lofty goals, and I wanted to have a thousand subscribers to my new Fordos production YouTube channel. That's lofty. And I, and because you all are not really understanding, uh, I have to give you some insight and some incentives. So the easy thing to do is if you know how to go to YouTube, you go to YouTube, you type in Fordos production, Anita Helm, and you'll come to the You'll see some videos with my face on it, and then you can actually click on the subscribe and you'll subscribe, nothing else. The incentives that I wanted you to go there, because there will be times that I will premiere content on the YouTube channel and possibly on my podcast and not go directly to the Facebook for those production page, or even let it go to Milkshake Monday's group or Transformation Valley, Valley's group or Nation's group, excuse me. So I'm just telling you, there are some incentives for why I want you to actually sign up or subscribe in this case, just subscribe and hit the button. And that's all you have to do. And you'll be notified when there's a new video or new content that we've uploaded to the YouTube channel. So that's what I wanted to get you understanding. And guess what? There is going to be some new content this week on the YouTube channel. That's going to premiere before anything is ever shown on Facebook. So I want you to know if you have not gone to Fordos Productions, Anita Helm uh, channel on YouTube to go and subscribe and there's going to be new content. Okay. So that's enough of the housekeeping. Now I gave a title to say knees down, eyes up, and I added an extra subtitle, the trouble with trouble. We often go through a lot of things in our life where we talk about prayer and I know that I saw some of the comments that people were saying, Oh, I'm so excited because you must be talking about prayer. Yes. When you talk about faith and our spiritual life, when it comes to the things of the Lord and what he teaches us, we are supposed to be praying without ceasing. What I'm going to show tonight is something that will probably surprise you and how I'm going to discuss this because we have something that's causing us an obstacle to us having the faith and belief and our prayer life and our trust life to what's going on with the things of the Lord. And I want to give you an example. I said, knees down, eyes up. If you've ever watched some of the old movies where it's talked to, talked about Excalibur, King Arthur, all those kind of medieval type of movies, they always had the knights when they were being knighted, they had to kneel down, and then they were knighted by the king for their allegiance or their fealty, which is meaning they are going to be loyal subjects to the king. And what you have heard, it's an act of submission, but they call it bending the knee. And if any of you watched the series Game of Thrones and some of these other things, 
bending the knee was what you had to do to show that you were loyal. And I'm going to read you the definition of the act of submission regarding bending the knee. Bending the knee is a formal act of submission to a king, queen, or lord. It's a recognition of authority and a demonstration of fealty. You will be loyal. You will serve. You will be a part of that leader, that palace monarch. You will be serving him. You will be submitting to them. That is what bending the knee. So when you start to see in the Bible where it says, Every knee shall bow. And I'm going to go to that scripture. Let's go to Philippians chapter two, verses nine through 11. You see that our King of Kings, Lord of Lords, he will always have the authority to have every last creation. That's us from the beginning of time to the end of time that every knee will bow because he is the monarch that deserves our loyalty, our feel, our fealty, our submission. So it says here in Philippians two verses nine through 11, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name, which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father, but every knee will bow. There is not anyone on creation that has been created with the breath of life that will not have their knee to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. So even the people that say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. I believe in Buddha. I believe in all these different faiths. Every knee will bow to the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the King of Kings. Now, we also see that I said knees down, eyes up, because when you find that there's an act of submission, even in our lives as Christians, when we go through some situations in our lives, we still have to recognize that everything, even the trouble in our lives is under submission of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that we've encountered in this physical flesh in the sense of emotions and how we feel that Christ has not felt. He has not sinned. He was without sin. But in the case of how we feel when we go through trouble, he wants us to still recognize that we have to still submit and recognize that he has the authority over everything. And then we have to lift our heads up, that we have to have hope and confidence in him. Now that sounds really good. I'm going to read this scripture to you, but I'm going to tell you there's some trouble with trouble. Let's go to Psalm 121 verses one through three. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Some, some scripture says to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He watches over you. He who watches over you will not slumber. Now it's telling us that he's not sleeping. He's not paying attention to somebody else while you're talking to him and talking and bringing things to his altar. He's always aware. We've been talking in Friday night Bible classes by the Resurrection Baptist Church's uh, pastor, Pastor Michael Watts, about the omnis of God, omnipresent, omnipotent. 
He's all knowing he's everywhere. There's everything. He can do everything. So the thing about us is we still pause when it's coming to our submission. And you say, no, Nita, that's not what I do. I don't pause. We all seem to pause. We all don't really think that he can handle all of the things in our lives. And some of the big ticket items we really question. So I'm going to talk tonight about the biggest ticket item that we will ever face in our life. And some of us may not face it directly, but we face it on the periphery. And that's death. Now, I should know I'm a new widow and I went through a situation and seasons where my spouse, my late spouse was sick for years and I prayed like many people prayed for Reverend Helm, but God's will was that he was to go and be with the Lord in his incorruptible body on August the 2nd, 2021. But I want to tackle this issue of death. Because I really believe, even though I say knees down, eyes up, there's some trouble with trouble. Because when we get into situations, something about us does not have the confidence, the trust, and the belief that when we put our knees down in the act of submission to really say to God, we believe as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you can handle this. And we will trust that whatever your will is in the circumstances of our life, that it's for our best interest, that it's for us to continue to grow and develop. But there's this something not quite trusting in us. But I want you to see a couple of things about death. First of all, God controls death. God knows all of our beginnings and endings, whether it's your daughter, your son, your mama, your daddy, your husband, your wife, your children, everything about life and death God is in control. God is aware. Now I'm not saying God is trying to do stuff to get you, but in reality, God is aware. He's all knowing. He is all knowing and he controls the breath of life. And he even has control of the power of even the forces that can control like angels to go and kill, cause death. So let's see, since you may be questioning, let me show you a couple scriptures to show that God can use even death in his power to control it when he sees fit, when it is in his providential will, when it is in his power and his authority to do so. So let's go to Revelation chapter six, verses seven through nine. Revelation six, verses seven through nine. I'm reading out of the King James Version. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death and by the beast of the earth. This is saying to you and I that the power was given. Who was the power given from? It was the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. God has power to control life and death. That's why he says he gives us the breath of life, but he also has to control even for death. Let's go to another scripture. What about death when it comes to being our defense? that we could be in warfare and we can have troubles where we have to have him come to our aid. If we're praying and God comes to our aid, he can even use the power of death 
for to support his saints. That's all in his will, not ours. Second Chronicles verse chapter 32 verses 19 through 21, reading out of the New King James Version again. And they spoke against the God of Jerusalem as against the gods of the people of the earth, the work of men's hands. Now, because of this King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven, bended knees, eyes up. Then the Lord sent an angel. Read verse 21 again. The Lord sent an angel who cut down every mighty man of valor, leader and captain in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned shamefaced to his own land. And when he had gone into the temple of his God, some of his own offspring, do you hear that? His kids, his own offspring struck him down with the sword there to the earth. Do you understand? He died that the angel of the Lord was sent to kill all of his men and he thought he had escaped and it was his own offspring that killed him when he got into that false God's temple. God took out everyone. The majority of them were taken out by the power of him sending his angels to kill them. And then the other one was a circumstance and with the evil and his own offspring chose to kill him in the false God's temple. That's the example of two situations where God's mighty power was used to use death. And that's why I said, even when you question God, can he, will he, when will he, you have to have your knees down in prayer. And literally I'm not saying all knees, but I'm saying surrender to God and submit to God in your prayer life and have your eyes focused on who has the power to help you, to keep you moving forward in your life going and running that race that God has before you. Now let's talk about a little bit about sickness because that's what really gets us because with the aches and pains, us getting older medications flying off the shelf, costing a million dollars here and there. It's just very concerning to a lot of believers about their health and where is God. And you can't really trust God. Some people are thinking in the back of their mind, they may not say it. And even what I learned about Dr. Anita Phillips, there's a lot of people who are suffering in grief and the things that they're questioning if they, that they know is like, I know God is a healer, but he didn't heal my husband. He's a healer, but he didn't heal my mother. He's a healer, but he didn't heal my son. And God understands the things that we are questioning him on, but he's telling us in the midst of trouble to believe, to trust, to understand that he is still on the throne and nothing in the form of sickness and disease or death changes that. So let's look at someone who you think has all this power. Sickness and disease and death don't care about if you got a million dollars in the bank, if you got a, a crown on your head, or you're sitting in a homeless shelter. They don't care. Sickness, sickness and disease happens to everybody. Death happens to everybody. So let's look at second Kings chapter 20 verses one through six. In those days, Hezekiah became ill. This is King Hezekiah. And it was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order. Cause you're going to die. You will not recover. He's sick and he's being told by the prophet, you're done. You're going to die. 
the Catholics would say, get their last rites, but people who know somebody's going to die, the hospital would say, bring the family in. Y'all start to pray, call the preacher. You're done. And please don't think I'm being flippant. I'm just trying to say it in regular speak. So people, when they hear it and see it, they understand what's happening. Verse two says, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. He does what all of us do when we get six months to live, 18 months to live. You have maybe a month to live. The cancer is going through you so fast. We don't know how long you got, but you got to get your house in order. All those diagnoses of the blood test telling this is wrong. That's wrong. You're not going to have long. This is congestive. This, this is all these things going on. But the reality is the Lord knows when you come and he knows when you're going. So the doctors can practice and they can tell you what they think, but only the Lord knows when you actually are getting out of here. So Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. He let some of those emotions, those feelings out. That's what Dr. Anita Phillips is talking about. We have mental health issues because we are so trying to be private, trying to cover up. You can't cover up your emotions and your feelings with God. So God is attentive. Whether you let him out or you don't let him out, he knows what's going on with you. And he could see and hear the words of Hezekiah. And he saw him whip bitter, weep bitterly because he's told he's going to die. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David says. I've heard your prayer. Knees down, eyes up. He turned his face to the wall, but he was praying to the Lord. He wasn't on his knees, but he was praying to the Lord, a sick man, a monarch, all this power, but he know his power didn't mean anything. He had to go before the Lord. He had to lift up his face to the Lord because only the Lord has the power of life and death. I know we want to give it all to the medical doctors and the medication and all that, but it's only the Lord that has the power of life and death. And it says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. God hears, God sees, knees down, eyes up. And he sees the welling up of your eyes, crying, pouring pain through your eye sockets, your nose snotting. He sees what you're doing at night. He sees when nobody's paying attention. When you think you got it all together, the makeup looks flawless, but he sees what's happening behind the scenes of your heart. And he says, I've heard your prayer and I've seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. The man is on his deathbed. And now the Lord, it says, I will heal you to the point you're going to be able to go back to the temple. And it says here in verse six, I will add 15 years to your life. He has the power of life and death. They have pronounced the man was going to die. Get your house in order. And God said, no, I'm making a decision that in my providential will, my sovereign power and sovereign will, you will have 15 more years added to your life. He has the power of life and death. Don't get it twisted when you're going through trouble. And you think your God doesn't care. Our God doesn't care. Our God doesn't hear. Our God doesn't see your tears. 
He sees, he hears, he knows, and it's within his own will that he will decide. Will he tell death, behave yourself? You don't touch my child for another 15 years. My child is going to recover because I'm going to allow this. It's only the Lord. It says, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Now I want us to go to something in the new Testament because the reason why I'm going here is because I, I listen to a lot of teaching. What I need to do as I'm preparing to do the teaching and speaking in different topics is I need to continue to fill my cup of the word of God, continue to fill my heart with what thus saith the Lord. And I heard someone say about Lazarus that we can be so obstinate in our faith that we would have the audacity that if we were dead in this, not literally dead, but dead in our did in some sin. And the Lord said, Lazarus come forth. We're so stiff necked that we're like, we don't want to come forth, but you're dead. And the life is Jesus and Jesus is saying, come forth. And some of us are saying, I don't want to, I don't want to do it right now. The reality is when I heard that, I said, how crazy, but that, if you think about it, it, how we handle things, we see the truth of God's word. We hear the teaching and the faith, but yet we still don't want to grasp on the promises of God. We would rather believe the lie of the movies and the Facebook and the Instagram and the TikTok and the, the, the different media of music and all these lies, but we don't want to hear the truth of God's word. And I want y'all to see something. Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha were friends of Christ. They had a house in Bethany. And when Christ was there, he actually stayed in their house. So there was a fellowship of knowing they saw his truth. They saw his miracles. They saw people were coming to the house. So it wasn't that they weren't aware of Christ's teaching and who he was and the power of who he was. And they were believers. But guess what? Many of us see and know Christ and we read the scriptures and we pray and we give our tithes and offerings and we trust God. And we raise our hand and shouts of praise and we're friends with the most high God. We love him and we do submit to him. But in the time of trouble, there's some things that happen and you're going to see that Christ is troubled by something. And we always go to Jesus wept, the shortest scripture in the Bible, right? But the reality is we miss a part about he, he's going to say, and he was troubled. And there's some things in our life that we say, bend it knees, eyes up, but something about trouble. There's trouble with trouble because something about our faith kind of slips out the door, drips through the cracks because something about death, and these big things that happen in our lives, we just don't know if God really hears. Does he see? Is he paying attention? Is he going to be on time? He's saying that, you know, Daddy people's on time God. But, you know, when things are hitting the fan, we just don't know. And I see that Christ is troubled. And look what happens in this passage. John 11 verses 23 through 27 says, Jesus said to her, meaning he's already heard about Lazarus. He's heard of Lazarus. He knows that Lazarus is dead before he even gets in town. But here's what's going to happen. He starts to talk to sister number one, Martha. Remember, Martha was fussing because Mary was at, his, at Jesus' feet, listening to the word of God, growing spiritually. 
but Pots and Pans Martha was getting the dinner ready and was fussing. But now we have her where she's in a situation where she is seeing her brother sick, knows that they sent a message to Jesus. Jesus didn't come back in time. Her brother died. They've had the funeral. He's been in the tomb for four days. They had given Jesus plenty of time to get on back, do a miracle. You know, he said in the scriptures, you see, he said a word and, and people have been recovered. Children have been recovered. Sick people have been recovered. But in this case, he didn't say the word. He didn't come. Lazarus is dead and been in the tomb for four days. So Martha's getting ready to have this conversation. Sister number one is going to have a conversation. Then sister number two is going to have a conversation. But look what this sister says. Jesus said to her in verse 23 of John 11, your brother will rise from the dead. Martha said to him, I know. I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. This is us parroting back what we think Jesus wants to hear. This is us parroting back what the preacher wants to hear. This is us parroting back what pastor wants to hear from us. She's saying things out of her mouth that she's been taught, but her heart and her mouth are connecting. She has word faith, but she don't have heart faith. And that's what some of us have. We can say it in words. We can throw out the scriptures. I'm highly favored. I'm all this stuff. But in reality, we cry back at the house, in the room where nobody's watching, in the car. All this stuff is going on in our heart because we're sorrowful. What we think we know of God, that friend that we thought, he didn't come. He didn't come on time. And now we have a circumstances where our brother is dead. Verse 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Here's the operative word. The one, meaning her and me and you, the one who believes in me. He said that I am the resurrection and the life. But see, she had just said, we know that, you know, he'll rise in the resurrection on the last day, in the future, future, in the by and by. But Christ is saying, I am, I am the resurrection. I'm the life. I control life and death. So that I wasn't here four days ago, that doesn't mean that I can't do what I need to do for death because death doesn't run away and have no authority under me. Death is under my submission. Death has to even be filthy. Death is got to be under the authority of God. I don't think they realize. I don't think some of the time we realize it. It says the one who believes in me will live even if he dies. So she hears that. Now guess who's died? Her brother. So he says, I am the resurrection and life. And the one who believes in me will live even though he dies. Well, her brother's dead. But see, she's not understanding what's going on. Now here's what he says now. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He comes back. Do you believe what I'm saying to you, Martha? Do you believe what I'm saying to you, Horace and Mary and, and the people listening? Do you believe what I'm saying to you in the word of God, the promises, the power that I am king of kings, Lord of lords? Do you understand that even death has to behave at my command? He says to her, do you believe this? This word believe. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. Just like we say, oh, yes, I believe that God will rebuke the devourer for my sake. Oh, I believe that God is going to complete a work in me. Oh, I believe that God is all powerful. I believe that God is all knowing. All this, I believe, I believe. 
That's what she says. Yes, Lord. She says like we do. Yes, Lord. I've come to believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, and he who comes into the world. He who comes into the world. So she said, I believe it in her brain. I believe it. But let's jump to verse 33. Let's go to sister two, the one that was more spiritual, the one that was sitting at Jesus's feet instead of preparing the meal and getting all the pots and pans together. And Martha had to say, tell my sister. But she is, she has listened to Jesus at his feet because she knew what the more important thing was and to learn of him. But even in her situation, look what happens in verse 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, this is Mary, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he can be touched by our emotions, our hurt, our grief, our depression. He can be touched. He was deeply moved in the spirit and was troubled. That's why I want you to see this. He was deeply moved in the spirit and was troubled. Why do you think Christ was troubled? You always, we always say Jesus wept. Yes, he wept, but he, it says, and was troubled. The trouble with, with trouble is that in our trouble, we don't believe. In our trouble, we don't remember what he's done in the past. In our trouble, we forget about the promises. In our trouble, we would rather cry and believe our Lord doesn't have the power over life and death that he is not the resurrection and the life. He is just Jesus. And we can say, yes, Lord, we believe like Martha just said, but all the weeping showed that they didn't recognize who he was and the power and authority as the sovereign Lord that he held. Verse 34 says, and he said, where have you laid him? He's going from sister to sister, people weeping. And now he's going to with the action of the power of what he always possessed because he just told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And see, you're going to see that he says, where have you laid him? Because he's about to show them. But guess what? They're going to tell him. And I can't read all of this tonight for you, but I'm going to say he, they will tell him, Lord, he's been in there four days. That's four days longer than you really should have been here. So what you think you're going to do, Lord, Lord Jesus, who I said, yes, Lord, I believe you. What you going to do? It's been four days and the man is stinking. He's dead and he's stinking. So you're going to overcome the stinking. You're going to overcome the fact that he's been dead. You really think you got all that power? Are you sure, Lord? But look what he says. Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. That's all we remember a lot. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could this man who opened the eyes of the man who was blind not have also kept this man from dying? You always got those people that are running their mouth. They don't have belief, but they hanging around the people that supposedly believe. But even the people that supposedly believe have doubts and unbelief. And Christ is seeing it all because he's not just seeing with his eyes. He is operating in the gifts of the spirit and he has the word of knowledge. He has the word of wisdom and he understands what is happening in the people's understanding and the brain power, what they're saying out of their brains, but they're not believing in their hearts. And so he knows those who are pretenders and doubters and just hanging around to get the repast, to get the good food, to pretend like they're crying and mourning, but they saying, why, why didn't Jesus, they, they murmuring and complaining and they just having something to say. Why didn't he keep this man from dying? 
He loved him so much. That, that is just like we would say today. You got those people running their mouth in the background. Verse 38 says, so Jesus, again, being deeply moved within. Again, he's moved, but he was also troubled. He's deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, who just told him, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, and he who has come into the world. What's the first thing Martha, the sister of the deceased said to him? Lord, by this time, there will be a stench. He's going to be stinking. For he has been dead for four days. Okay, the all-knowing God who knew Lazarus was dead when he was in a different city has come. You've already seen the miracles he can perform, but now you think you need to be the town newspaper to give the obituary to say he's been dead four days. And he's dumb enough that you think that he doesn't understand what people naturally die in this mortal flesh, that they don't start decomposing to stink. So you're thinking that Christ don't understand all this. He somehow doesn't understand the creation that he made, how the, the creation actually deteriorates and decomposes after they don't have the breath of life. So you think he don't get it, right? So you're going to give him some information he doesn't know. That's what Martha thinks. He's been dead for four days. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, going back to that first passage of sister number one talk, did I not say to you that if you believe there's the trouble with trouble we do not believe we talk a good game she talked a good game yes lord yes lord i believe i i've come to believe that's what we say we talk a big game saints but the trouble with trouble is that that you know you 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 have your knees down your eyes up with your eyes a little crook you know, cockeyed because you're really not believing. You, you're saying a good game. You're talking a good game. You're going to the pastor. You're showing everybody you got a good game. But God knows the truth. And that's why he came back to her. Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone and Jesus raised his eyes. Now, Christ is all powerful. The all powerful Christ lifted up his eyes. Because he knew the power of God, his father. We have to understand that we have to have knees down, down and eyes up for the help. He lifted up his eyes. He raised his eyes and said, Father. When we pray, he said, pray to the father in his name. So Christ, the son of God, the king of kings, Lord of lords, Hebrews 1, Christ is calling on his father and says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. He just started talking, but Christ is constantly praying. Christ is in the spirit. Christ already knew when he was back before in John 11, the beginning, when the disciple says, if he sleeps, he says, no, he's not asleep. He's dead. He already knew because he and the father already knew what was going to be happening. But he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. But I knew that you always hear me. Nevertheless, he knows that he always hears because we already showed that the Lord hears and sees and even sees tears and has the ability to get 15 more years of life if he shows chooses. But he says, 
that they may believe that you sent me because they don't get it. My own friends don't get it. The people in these houses of worship don't get it. Verse 43. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Out came the man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said unto them, unbind him and let him go. He used the sovereignty and power that God alone has over life and death because he looked to the source of his health, his father, and the power of God who has the power of life and death for our circumstances, for our life. We don't have to go to God with all this unbelief. Even if we're putting on a sham show to say that we believe, we have to pray to God to have more belief. And I'm going to let y'all read something. Therefore, many of the Jews, verse 45, came to Mary and saw that he saw what he had done, believed in him. Then they believed after they saw, but some of them, here we go. Some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. They didn't tell them for the glory of God. They were telling them to rat him out because these are the folks that hang around, but they don't believe. And they won't believe even when Christ does something mightily in your life. They're going to continue running the mouth of unbelief because they don't have a heart for the things of God. Now, here's the trouble with trouble and believing, and I'm going to end this. One of the scriptures that I wanted to bring to our attention, because I wanted to show you that this wasn't just me making something up out of John 11. Go to Mark chapter 9, verses 23 through 24, because the reality is the Lord knows where we come from, where we're coming from, where we come from. We come from a people who are stiff necked. We come from a people who think like the Tower of Babel. If we get all of our intellect together, we can get it. We can build this tower up to God. And we think if we do enough things with uh, modern technology, with medical science, with learning languages and all these different things that we're so smart at, we don't really need God. So when it's time for us to believe in him, to have the power of life and death, we would rather believe in the penicillin and the drugs that we have to have 17 side effects and the doctor with five degrees and all these different things, then believe God. But I want you to see this last scripture. This man has a child that's demon possessed and he's come to Christ for help. As we come, when we're in trouble, we, we we're supposed to have knees down, eyes up. We come to him in trouble, but we also come with a lot of doubt. A lot of our backbone is filled with water. We say we believe that we have a strong faith, that we truly love the Lord. But in reality, we got some doubts and unbeliefs. Martha and Mary had some doubts and unbelief. They thought they knew Jesus. They thought they were his friends. They thought they understood the Messiah, that he was the resurrection and was going to be in the last days, but they didn't understand their friend was the resurrection and the life. Deity and the flesh together. He was the resurrection and life. He is the resurrection and life. So this scripture says, Jesus asked the question, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. He asked a question, but does that sound like a question? It sounds like a statement, but the fact of it is many of us are still questioning. We don't really have a firm affirmative to say declaratively, 
I believe in Jesus because we believe in Jesus up to a point uh, right there. And then we kind of stop uh, almost to the edge and we kind of stop. You know, I can believe you for $10, but $1,500, uh, no, 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 not so much. My mortgage, no, my mortgage, my job situation. Oh, uh, you know, I can believe you up to a point, but verse 24 says the man's response is immediate. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, again, these tears, tears that God can see, tears that God can interpret, genuine truth coming out somebody's mouth or somebody just saying like Martha, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I've come to believe, but you're not really believing. But this man is immediately crying out with his tears his heart because he's done. His child has done so much and he's just so spent. He's emotionally, physically tormenting himself, this child he loves, but it's tormenting the father, the family. And he's crying out with tears. He said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That, saints, is where we need to get to. We have to tell the truth. Stop lying to ourselves because the reality, God knows what's going on. You're not lying to God. You're lying to yourself. But there is some unbelief in all of us. We're not perfect. This is the example of scriptures to let us know that God knows we're not perfect. And God knows in this situation for John 11, this situation in Mark 9, that we have situations where, yes, we do believe. But there's points in our faith that we don't believe and that we when we go through this trouble, whether it's death, whether it's finances, whether it's relationships, whether it's your all these jobs, all these things going around, all this turmoil and chaos, we believe up to a point. And Satan knows that we have unbelief. And guess what? Those whisperers, those people running to the Pharisees, they're always going to be people running to try to tear down your faith, your understanding of who God is. So I thank God for you all listening. But I ask you to truly go before the Lord. And all of us, let's go before the Lord to say, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, we do believe, Lord, but help our unbelief. Help our unbelief, Lord. We cry out like that man in Mark 9. We do believe, but help our unbelief, Lord. I thank you for listening tonight. The harvest is ripe, saints, but the labors are few. I pray, God, that something's been said tonight to awaken you to the power of our almighty God, and that we all have to bend the knee to Jesus Christ. I love you and Lord willing, I'll see you next time. God bless you.